Welcome to the first episode of And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And today, we're looking at The Princess Bride. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? You know what, Jeff? I'm doing okay. <laughs> I believe we're on day 67 of lockdown. Wow. Something like that. 60, 68. 68. I've not been yeah. keeping track. I thought it was a cute idea up top, but now here we are, and now it's I can't stop. And you were like, oh, this quarantine is pretty cute, y'all. I didn't think that. I just thought, I wonder how long it's going to be, and I didn't. Mm, I didn't. Yeah. 70 was it was like the grown-up version of like oh we're we're, we have like a lockdown at the church or like the school or whatever a lock in in. i'm so sorry a lock in (laughs) Uh, i never actually attended one of these this is why i'm referring to it as a lockdown or maybe it (laughs) It feels like a lockdown i would have thought of it as a lockdown um opposed to a lock-in um you cannot see listeners at home but amy joe is currently wearing a little uh tiara crown situation it's a uh, very reminiscent of our film today of princess yes Bride. it's it is not a floral crown it is like a sure. gem encrusted crown but it is meant to look floral i bought it for a uh titania moment but it felt like <laughs> appropriate for this film today you're just living your dreams you're living your midsummer night dreams look i must it is all i have <laughs> are my dreams at this moment can't argue with that <laughs> The Princess Bride was a comedy fantasy adventure directed by Rob Reiner and adapted from the William Goldman novel of the same name. It came out on September 25th, 1987. Amy Jo, what's your experience with The Princess Bride? Have you ever seen this oh dang boy. film before? Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> this movie, this is possibly the most watched movie of my life. And I am someone who is an obsessive movie rewatcher, always have been. But like when you're a child and, you know, your parents are like, yes, please go play away from me, you know? And you're like, great. What I'm going to do is watch (laughs) The the Prince. The further away, the better. (laughs) My parents were very loving and attentive. But yes, when we could entertain ourselves, they were thrilled. Um, I would watch it. On VHS, baby, and then rewind it and start it again immediately. My brother and I would watch this movie obsessively, like because our parents also liked it, and like we knew there was stuff we yeah. were missing because right. we were kids, but like we were obsessed with it. So when we were, when Jeff and I just watched this, we were watching. I was texting my brother, and he's like, "Oh boy, I bet we know every line of that movie." Still, I was like, "Yeah, sadly, sure I know we, every inflective you... pattern." Every like few lines, you could look over at me and just say right along. Like it really. I mean, I probably was have, I haven't watched this movie. Like sat down and watched this movie in probably fifteen or twenty years. Oh wow! And yet, I yeah, you retain it is so in much. my DNA. There's so many iconic like. lines and it's moments. It's so iconic, it's... but truly, like I can't communicate how often we would watch this in my house because it's something my whole family, like this and Clue, are probably mm. the most watched movies that my my family would watch together. Um, it's just, and it holds up, oh, yeah. baby. I mean, this is the kind of movie where you're like, this is when you were thrilled at the invention of like the VCR that would rewind immediately. As soon as it finished to the end, it would just start it back up at the beginning and play. You could be like, great. I don't have to touch anything. I don't anything. know if I even had one of those. Be kind, rewind. That felt like the DVD was like a, ooh, I can just watch it again immediately. Ooh. Mm, true. Glamour. It's true. The luxury. The yeah. luxury. 
Uh, and yes, I've I've seen this film many, many, many times. Um, the same. I feel like I've seen it more recently than 15 years ago, but I don't remember the first time I saw this. It wasn't as a kid kid, but it was like probably a little older. It was probably like closer to like seventh, eighth grade. Oh, really? I remember in high school era that I would like force friends to watch this. And I'd be like, you haven't seen this movie? And I'd be like, you're going to see it. Although I would do that with a lot of films. Like I've forced friends to this watch specifically Shawshank Redemption, Memento, Princess Bride are the ones that come to mind. And Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, which my high school friend Jess, I I, I believe me and uh, my good friend Steve, mm-hmm. who you know, uh, w- who also knew Jess somewhat. Like we were like, oh, we're all going to watch Fellowship of the Rings. And she didn't know it at all and was very like, I don't want to be watching this. But I was just like, well, you're going to um and she just did not care for it at all when gandalf died spoilers for fellowship of the ring she said the person who wrote this was on crack (laughs) you're like okay well there there are various theories on what tolkien was doing oh sure Ah, but that's neither here nor there but on a a very different fantasy that we're talking about today because we're talking about that princess bride maybe uh now spoilers ahead if you somehow haven't seen princess bride what are you doing just go watch it it's uh, if you don't have Disney Plus, that's also more power to you. But it is streaming on Disney Plus if you don't already own it. But look, it's a it. romp. It's so it will take you away from your troubles and your pain, and it is yeah. just a delight. Everyone in it killing it. Real crowd pleaser. So funny. Yeah. Uh, score phenoms. Get into it. Yes. But if you have not seen it or just haven't seen it in a while, here is a brief-ish synopsis that I'll try to go through quickly. <laughs> A young boy is homesick when his grandfather comes by to read him the story of The Princess Bride, which follows young lovers Buttercup and Wesley. Wesley leaves to seek his fortune so they can be married, but his ship is attacked and he's presumed dead. Years later, Buttercup is forced into marriage to the wicked Prince Humperdinck, such a great name, but before the wedding, she is kidnapped by three outlaws, a short Sicilian boss named Vizzini, a giant from Greenland named Fezzik, and a Spanish fencing master named Anigo Montoya. Who is medium-sized. <laughs> he's right there in the middle. <laughs> they made sure, they're like, you can't be too tall. We don't want to make, we don't want to be f- taking, a, you know, away from our giant, and you can't be too small, because what are we doing here? Uh, Anigo Montoya, who seeks revenge against a six-fingered man who killed his father. The outlaws are pursued by a masked man in black who catches up with them and defeats Anigo in a duel, chokes Fezzik until he passes out, and kills Vizzini by tricking him into drinking from a cup containing poison, before revealing to Buttercup that he's actually Wesley in disguise. They're captured by Humperdinck and the sadistic Count Rugen, who is revealed to be Anigo's father's killer. With the six, six fingers. He's got man. those six fingers. Uh, Buttercup agrees to return and marry Humperdinck in exchange for Wesley's release, but Humperdinck secretly orders Wesley to be tortured to death. Wesley's rescued by Anigo and Fezzik, and the folk healer Miracle Max helps revive him from being nearly dead. Wesley, Anigo, and Fezzik invade the castle. Anigo finds and kills Rugen in a duel, thus avenging his father. Wesley finds Buttercup and, still partly paralyzed, bluffs his way out of a duel with Humperdinck, and they flee the castle. Wesley rides away with Buttercup, Anigo, and Fezzik before sharing a passionate kiss with Buttercup. And back in the young boy's bedroom, he eagerly asks his grandfather to read the story to him again the next day, to which the grandfather replies... As you wish. I teared up today. I did too. I was like, this uh, so, is so beautiful. Oh, it's so perfect. Uh, now, the casting directors for The Princess Bride were Janet Hershenson and Jane Jenkins, Emmy nominees for their work on the HBO TV movie Iron Jawed Angels. Jenkins started by casting the TV spinoff 
which is hilarious to me, uh, Mrs. Columbo, which is fitting, <gasps> sends Peter Falk, a.k.a. Columbo, plays the grandfather. I did write down a note to myself while watching this. Let me let me read it right now. Does to, my... to, to, wa- to, to binge Mrs. Columbo no, on well, DVD? No, but it says, does my love of Columbo stem from this movie? Ooh. Said honest thought, because I didn't know who Peter Falk was when I was watching this. He was the grandfather yeah. in this, but Columbo And then you're like, you're just watching your grandfather so solve crimes. Good. So good. Well, Columbo's just an excellent show, I think. But then I was like, oh, are, yeah. Are, are you familiar with Mrs. Columbo? Uh, no. Um, Mrs. Columbo is how he always referred to Mrs. Columbo, you know, like as his wife. Yes. He, he's just always, oh, Mrs. And you never Columbo. see her in the no, series. No, Mrs. Columbo says, you know. So fittingly, in this series, Mrs. Columbo, you never see Columbo. But it's Kate Mulgrew, who's like... Three, Fascinating. Two decades, maybe more, younger than Peter Falk. Well, Some crimes. It did not Hollywood. last long. But that's how Jenkins started her career. Uh, and Hershenson began by casting the 1979 Scott Bayo comedy Skate Town, USA. What a title. Wow. I'm going to have to say that all the time. 1979, now. Skate Town, USA. Skate Town, USA. Oh, just living that Skate Town, USA life. Bro. Where are you from, Skate Town, USA? Hey. Maybe that's what the actual, like, a location in the movie, which would be great if he's from Skate Town, USA. <laughs> and it's like Footloose, but they're, they've outlawed skating. I have no idea what Skate Town, USA is about. Uh, and together, Hershenson and Jenkins have worked as casting directors on such films as Jurassic Park. Oh. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and A Beautiful Mind. And they've cast the majority of Rob Reiner's films, including Stand By Me, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, and The American President. So they're crushing it. They're crushing it. And they really crushed it with this this casting. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast in The Princess Bride. And some of these people may have auditioned, some may have been discussed by casting. This is a little, and some may just be conjecture, so it's a little subjective, but we're really just having fun here. We're Uh, just having a good time. We're trying to have a good time on day 68 of the pandemic of quarantine. Uh, So starting with uh, Wesley, uh, Amy, what are your thoughts on Carrie Elwes as Wesley? So... I think he's great. So good. There is, as someone who does a lot of comedy, it. I will say it is hard to find people who are genuinely funny who also can play this sort of like leading man type thing. Yeah. Like this is not the same style at all, but like someone who I think does this really successfully in a slightly more heightened way is like James Marsden in Enchanted. Sure, like, yeah. I mean, he's playing into a particular style, but it's yeah. like I, I said to Jeff when we were watching this movie earlier today at one point, I was like, everyone in this movie knows exactly what movie they're in. Like they're all playing in the same style. They're all like, which is really ha- crazy considering yes. that of how differently these performances, these performances are varied. Are. When you've but got like, this, him giving his performance and we'll get to him, Wallace yeah. Shawn but they're all as like Mazzini. Heightened t- so different. They're heightened. T- they're like tuned to the same key. You know, they're heightened totally. to the appropriate degree for their character. So I think he, he does a great job of actually being very funny while still like, totally looking the part totally embodying the part and being this kind of it helps that it's an unknown you know we don't have other stuff to map onto him you know um i really i think he's so great and like i i don't know i was a kid when this movie came out so i don't have like a ton of other ideas of like contemporary people that i'm like oh yes i would i would ask which is uh as you will learn, this is our first episode and we're figuring out what we're doing here. Hey, baby. Is which each, each of the uh, ac- 
actors that I have, people, other people that were considered for them, I'm going to ask Amy Joe, if you had to cast someone else, who would you cast? If and this can be removed from time. So this could be someone that, from today, someone sure. from whatever. Someone that came to mind. The only name that I jotted down, and I don't know if I really thought about this, if I were really thinking about doing A Princess Bride for today, yeah. I would come up with other options. But if, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm trying to think, like, how do I do this movie as it exists with a similar feel? Well, I don't know. Um, the contemporary person that came to mind and this is also partially because I don't have as much of experience of him the way that mm-hmm. like other people do in the movies is Tom Hiddleston um, yeah because like he's done yeah. all this villain stuff oh, fun fact about me I like <laughs> went and did a summer at RADA in England the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and he was a student there at the time and he like worked the front desk and like what do they call him handsome Tom no we, Tom? we called him uh, well no we called him handsome Gene Wilder handsome <laughs> what we called him yes he was rada tom handsome gene wilder like either of these and we knew who you're talking about when i say that's the most devastating compliment you could bestow i thought it really spoke well of him but he was he was very kind to us he came and did a scene like a few uh rada guys came because like our teacher was someone they all really liked and respected a few of them came and did scenes with people in our class so um he came and did some scenes so i truly didn't know he was a famous person until years after everyone else did because i just knew who he was i'd like seen him on stage like we were friendly back in the day he would not know who i was now but um (laughs) But yeah, I could see Hiddles. I could see but Hiddles. But like I could as, see as, that, as you know, especially, especially young Hiddles. Exactly. Especially maybe before people were associating him with like a villainous Marvel type role. True. So, I think so like, for, for me, I had gone to Lond- a trip to London with my dad in college. This was my sojourn to London where I saw young Tom Hiddleston uh, in a production of Othello with Ewan McGregor right. as Yago, which is crazy to be like, there's a production of Yago with Ewan McGregor and Tom Hiddleston, and Ewan McGregor was your villain, and Tom Hiddleston was Michael Cassia, who's yeah. just like, I'm just kind of a young romantic, and uh, it just seems like I'm sleeping with I your wife. I sort of got caught up in all this. Um, yeah. Uh, so the only person that I have that was also considered for Wesley was Christopher Reeve fascinating i I mean i can see it but you're going for a very different and your difference is that carrie ellis is british and christopher reeve is not and i think that really helps the character i think it absolutely does because we'll get into it with robin wright who is um, not british who's american but the carrie ellis of that british sensibility of that like there's a certain not stiffness to christopher reeve but just thinking of him as superman there is that like more stoic nature it's hard to imagine the swagger that Carrie always brings to that's funny because that is kind of the opposite of what I associate with Americans versus Brits mm. you know no this is true but when I okay when I say swagger there's like a difference between what do I how do I say this there's like I don't know when there's like swaggering Americans there's like I don't know, a cowboy-ish yes nature um sure. in terms of like eh, with what with Carrie always what he taps into and there's actually a great quote about them casting him that with him he feels more of like than Errol Flynn, Douglas Fairbanks, like an old style. More of that you mean more of that type? Yeah, yeah. That that's what Absolutely. he's bringing to. It. It's like a, a Robin Hood. It feels which is a, a bit because Carrie Ellis right. would then go on to play that's Robin Hood in right. Men in Tights. Robin Hood Men in Tights. Remember when we saw that at Spa Castle? We sure did. We sure did. <laughs> Randomly. Spa Castle was like not open. A coupon fully. to go to. I Spa forget exactly Castle, what it was, and but nothing was open. So they were like, "So you can just use this coupon another time." So instead, but you, you can, can come just in for free and hang out in, in a like, row and watch Men in Tights on this big screen. I wasn't and that mad was about it. it. We it was had, fine. We it was very cozy, like, but we we had 
We had like kimchi, I think, and just sat there and mm-hmm. watched Men in Tights in a robe. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, and instead of being in this film, Christopher Reeve instead at the same time was filming uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, which I think he was about ready to be done playing that character. Uh, but my quote on Carrie Elwes, so uh, Carrie Elwes was cast because of what Rob Reiner called his Douglas Fairbanks or Errol Flynn quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reiner had quickly decided on Carrie Elwes for Wesley based on his performance in Lady Jane, uh, this movie directed by Trevor Nunn. Uh, however, during the casting period in Los Angeles, Elvis was filming in Germany, so Reiner flew out to Munich to meet with him, and while there, they just knew that he was perfect for the part. Elvis had read the book in his childhood, associ- like always like associated with the character of Wesley, but he never believed that he had the opportunity to play him. Um, and he's so good. He's so I have to say also that he's so good in the beginning as just like this is like this young farmhand I'm with just floppy a young haired farmhand with nice hair and then is like this man in black character with his little mustache but I gotta say it's the beginning beginning uh, uh, Wesley that high school Jeff was so jealous of that hair high school Jeff I wanted my hair to look like <laughs> that hair and I don't keep I never can try to grow my hair as long as his hair is in that because my hair wants to be a 1970s mullet yeah. when it goes that long but yeah. his hair looks so, that that's why I want I wanted my hair to always look flo- that not not just in general but when it's specifically flopping over one eye really as he's looking at her being like predate the Leo DiCaprio 90s ideal it did it, it really, really it was did. really leading into the 90s with DiCaprio uh, and percent. you know everyone I, Devin Sawa oh Devin <laughs> Sawa I am Devin the Sawa's exact Wesley. age no, but I in my youth I would have been like remake it now, starring Devin Sawa. I was obsessed because you know I, I was... of course everyone was obsessed with Devin Sawa. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched Casper and Now and Then a lot. You know, uh, great. So uh, moving on to Princess Buttercup and uh, real quick thoughts on Robin Wright as Buttercup. She's... And if you had to cast someone else, who okay, would you cast? Okay, okay, she's perfect. <laughs> This is also one of those things that because I've always been a ham, I liked Princess Buttercup, but I did not appreciate when I was younger how good she is in this movie. Yeah. Like as just from a technical what she's doing as an actor standpoint, I feel like if this were made today, there would be someone very competent but dull cast in this role. You know what I mean? Someone a little bit younger and just kind of, which I mean, she might have been quite young, but she also just re- she has such strength that she reads yeah. Um, probably older than she was, but I, I don't know. I just feel like the, the contemporary person that came to mind that she looks the most like to me is like a Lily James who is fine. She's good. Mm -hmm. But like, I then thinking about Lily James, I was like, oh, you know, who would have been great as like a young Kate Blanchett or a young Nicole Kidman, like that kind of thing. Either of them both have that like. Uh, strength and vulnerability yeah. at once. But she does so much with really quite little. Quite little, because she doesn't get to do There's much. There's whole scenes where she's completely silent and has like one line and it's like, oh, but she just like every, no moment is missed or wasted. No. I think she's just fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I would say keep it. Love it. Uh, so on Buttercup, the production team looked at, quote, a zillion girls of course they did. in their search for Buttercup, Jenkins estimated, and initially struggled to find the right actor. Two years prior to this search, Jenkins said she and the Princess Bride director, Rob Reiner, had met with Robin Wright when she auditioned for a role in The Sure Thing that eventually went to Nicolette Sheridan. Wright, who was still a teenager at the time, was just very wrong for the part, Jenkins said, because she was very raw, very new. 
Frankly, she wasn't that brilliant when she came in to read, Jenkins remembered. But she added that there was something about the actor that reminded her of Grace Kelly. Oh, yes. Oh, yay. Totally. When Wright's agent called her again about the Princess Bride, Jenkins said she asked the actor to do an accent. My stepfather is British, Jenkins recalled Wright saying. I could do a pretty good British accent. And once Wright started reading the lines, Jenkins recalled her reaction, quote, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I was bouncing off the walls and screaming at my partner, I think I just found Buttercup. Jenkins said Wright read again for Reiner, who was immediately sold, but the two still needed one more person to sign off, author and screenwriter William Goldman. So the team made arrangements to meet at the director's house that weekend. Jenkins said, quote, I will never forget this for as long as I live. The doorbell rang. Rob went to the door, and literally as he opened the door, Wright was standing there in this little white summer dress with her long blonde hair, and she had a halo from the sun. She was backlit by God. And Bill Goldman looked across the room at her, and he said, well, that's what I wrote. It was the most <gasps> perfect thing. Isn't that amazing? Just imagining. Oh, it's so good. That's, like, so vivid picturing that. Her, I do want to say her accent is fantastic. I would yeah. say both her and Chris Sarandon, who was American, like, their their accents are very consistent and, and like, don't draw attention to themselves, which I feel like a lot of accents totally. do. Um, and that's why I think they're successful. But also, like... I have found sometimes that I am more comfortable when I can go into an accent. Like, I'm less self-conscious in a way. You know, it's something like that. Not every accent. But, like, sure. like uh, an RP, which is what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so that actually is fascinating. That, that's something that totally makes sense to me as someone who sometimes when I'm reading, like, especially, like, film stuff as opposed to, like, theatrical stuff, I'm like, I am aware I am saying lies. <laughs> but, like, if I put an accent on it, there's something easier to th- – something else to think about. No. Um, oh, I love that. All right, so you ready for some of the people that were almost cast? I'm ready. All right, right off the bat, Meg Ryan. No, 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 <laughs> no. A thousand, thousand, billion times no. She is very charming, but in my opinion, cannot act. So that's oh, all. Well, I wouldn't say she cannot act. She's not great at acting. I well, put keeping it in way. mind that I believe it's the next year was when Harry Met Sally. The reason when Harry Met Sally is good is because of the writing and because of Billy Crystal. Oh, see, strong disagree. I do think she's great in that as well. She is, she is wonderful in it, but... By the skin of her teeth, I find her sometimes. I just want to punch her, which I know is partially the character, but partially mm. just because. I... Although it is, a, <gasps> it is, it is great to imagine that if she had been Buttercup, imagining like we know you loved her as Buttercup, we know you love Bill Christie as Miracle Max, and so we're <laughs> getting them back together is a is really hilarious. To me. I'm romantic to comedy with Buttercup and Miracle Max. I think I think her in When Harry Met Sally is like peak Meg Ryan for a number of reasons, but one totally. of those is because I think she's someone who just like needs good writing. Yeah, we're all helped by it, but absolutely not, hundred thousand yeah. percent. No, <laughs> Courtney Cox. At this point in time, she was already being considered for film roles. Well, in this very year, so instead of doing Princess Bride, Courtney Cox had a supporting role in crime thriller Down Twisted, and she was in the Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella uh, as like the human lead. When who is, like, was that Bruce Springsteen do. concert? It's an excellent question. I don't have the My answer. My dad would I'm, know. Your dad would know because your dad loves Bruce Springsteen. He does. I'm going to assume that was before 1987. There would have to be, I would think. Isn't that what like put her anywhere in a position of being able to even get an agent? Possibly. I I don't follow the career of Courtney Cox too closely. You don't? I don't. I don't. I anyway, that's, know that's her fascinating. Friends. Uh, As does everyone. <laughs> some people know her from Cougar Town. Oh, sure. There are people that love that Cougar Town. They, well... Sure, sure. I've never seen it. Can't pass any kind of judgment on it. I don't know. Uh, nor can I. But uh, yeah, it's hard to... When I mainly know her as Monica from Friends, it's hard to imagine her Absolutely, as yeah. Buttercup. 
um, furiously windexing the windows of the castle. Uh, Amy Yazbek, who I don't really know. I don't know. She was on Wings, but mainly I wanted to mention her because she would go on to play Marion in Robin Hood Men in Tights with Carrie Fascinating. Uh-huh, which is much more of an actual, well, it's Mel Brooks. So it's a right. very distinctly broad comedy. Absolutely. Fascinating. Uh, Sean Young was considered of... Well, who? Sean Young of um, Blade Runner fame. I, she might be best known for tr- campaigning to play Catwoman in the Tim Burton Batman Returns. So she was dressing up in a Catwoman outfit and trying to find Tim Burton on the Hollywood lot. Uh, and then she subsequently didn't get really get cast in a ton more. Oh, I uh, wish the listeners could hear my face which is like Ooh. listen to my face listen to my face uh i mean that same she's that same year she was in wall street with michael douglas she was in no way out with kevin costner so she had like a she run did fine. She all had, these she movies career, i never but saw then kind but... of they stopped casting her in, in films uh uma thurman was considered oh, for better cop she is someone who did cross my mind because they've got kind yeah. of similar uh faces and glorious bones yeah. and this was i mean she this was so early in her career this is the year before dangerous, dangerous liaisons. liaisons and adventures of baron munchausen which were like two of like mm-hmm. the bigger things for her early on yeah. that started helping her get oh, more bigger sure. and bigger she roles and so you're like oh you should be the lead of paired together in dangerous liaisons which is so wild <laughs> little baby little baby keanu with little baby uma um which i can i i think of these ones so far she's That's the one, the one that makes see. the most sense because she's what she has too is that she's like got strength you know she's like rooted totally. she's she's like i mean princess buttercup kill kill bill with princess buttercup I, but, uh, but like robin wright like what have i oh, seen yeah. her most recently her being an amazon like oh and wonder woman kicking, absolutely kicking some bootay and i know you did not see it but she's also in the sequel to blade runner uh also being a badass is like ryan gosling's like see boss and yeah taking names uh, but she was Uma Thurman. Uma was deemed too exotic looking to play Buttercup. I hate the 80s. Um, wow. And I was like, out of curiosity, I was like, is Uma someone with some whatever? Because I keep forgetting that Keanu Reeves has like some Asian, yeah. a small amount of Asian she's, ancestry. She's Uma Thurman like, is a Swedish, Danish, German, yes. Scottish, and Scotch-Irish. So yes, it's just like, exactly. She's she's exotic insofar as the north of Europe right. has has really particular bones. I think structure. they heard the name Uma and got scared. There is that f- infamous... Uh, uh, story or, or moment from the Oscars when David Letterman hosted that he had this bit that failed miserably where it was just him trying to introduce the joke was just that Oprah and Uma are interesting names so it was him just going on one end of the audience like like Oprah meet Uma and then going to the other side like Uma meet Oprah and just repeating that like for a few times with no one laughing just because your name is David does not mean that people are going to think it's funny that other people have more interesting names Monsieur well, you know what? You got to travel back and go let David Letterman know. I don't. I, I'm, you know what? I'm fine. Let um, him be. I, I do want to quickly say that instead of doing The Princess Bride, Uma Thurman, this sounds truly, what is this? Uh, her, the film that she made instead that came out in 1987 was, this might be the worst title I've ever heard for a film, Kiss Daddy Goodnight. <laughs> Which this plot line, at night, babyface Laura dresses up as a vamp and lets random guys at bars pick her up just to drug and rob them later. But then someone starts stalking her, and a person close to her is killed. That's like the basic summary on IMDb, um, that she's just like this vamp that's like drugging men and robbing from them. But why must you call your film Kiss Daddy Goodnight? Kiss Daddy Goodnight! 
of Yikes. that just sounds like a nightmare. Uh, so that will be our next film on an almost starring Kiss Daddy Goodnight. Who was an considered almost for starring slash I love the eighties? Was Oprah considered for <laughs> Kiss Daddy Goodnight? Uh. Um, so not really considered by the time the film came out, but because they'd been trying to make a movie of the Princess Bride pretty much since the book was released. Sure, yeah. Uh, so William Goldman declared Carrie Fisher was the ideal his ideal That's choice so for Buttercup. And imagine Carrie Fisher in like star, in like the late seventies after be Star fantastic. Wars because she's like. I mean, she's a princess, and she's like, what strength, what tenacity Absolutely. is Princess Leia? She's iconic. She is no wallflower, no, no, no. shrinking Wilting violet. Willow. Absolutely. No, she's so good. I could, if, if the movie had been made a little earlier, I could yeah, absolutely. I think she'd have been so, so, so good. Um, Actually, get get Billy Lord to play it now. That would be oh, fascinating. Oh, you're so good. Of course. I would love that. Not? It, yes, if Princess Bride was made today, Billy Lord would be a great, oh, I'm into great that. Princess Buttercup. Uh... Now, in William Goldman's book, Hype and Glory, he tells a story of Rob Reiner trying to cast Buttercup and gets a, Rob Reiner gets a call from an agent. You still haven't got a Buttercup? Asks the voice on the phone. Have you got one? Queries Reiner. It's amazing casting, says the voice. By now, Reiner's impatient. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And the agent says, Whoopi Goldberg. And that's presented in his book and like amongst Hollywood as like kind of a, it's treated as a joke. But Whoopi has said, like, they thought it was the stupidest thing they'd ever heard. It hurt so bad. Like, she was oh. campaigning that she really wanted to play Princess Buttercup. And she would eventually go on to write her own fairy tale uh, as a children's book, Alice, with, which features a little mm-hmm. Goldberg lookalike who heads off to New York to find true happiness. Um, and, I mean, this same year that came out, she did Fatal Beauty and Burglar. So it's very – she say- is already doing things that – I don't know super young Whoopi very well. I yeah. actually haven't seen the film of The Color Purple. I've read the book. I've yeah. seen the, the stage production. But um, so I, I don't actually have a strong familiarity with what like really young Whoopi energy is. Like Ghost is probably as, as far is back the, as I've yeah, seen. Yeah, and that's 1990. So yeah. that's like three years and, after this. And so like I can't really speak to what that would feel like. But like I, I absolutely think that that is like horrifying i mean if they thought that uma thurman was too exotic there's no way they're gonna well that's why they're just like don't even right like like a an extremely like black comedian who is also like such a she's such her own voice you know absolutely that's oh that is sucks but whoopi's done fine (laughs) you know what whoopi's Whoopi's done done. okay okay so moving on to vizzini uh, played, of course, by Wallace Shawn. Yeah, we... <laughs> Every line reading, iconic. It really is, but, like, you don't... We didn't think... I never thought about it before until we were discussing this while watching it, watching the movie today, of, like, how... I mean, outside, of course, the voices of Peter Falk as the grandfather and Fred Savage as the grandson, the voices you're hearing are Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, uh, and... I think you hear, do you hear Humperdinck? You, or do, I think you hear one other character. You're hearing, the point being, you're hearing these British yes. characters. Yes, he's come up and he's given the speech. Humperdinck's done the yes. whole speech on the yes, balcony. Yes, like, yes. Well, you will not find her common right. now. So you're like, okay, we're not in, you know, it's not set in, in England. It's set in this fictional Florin. Florin. Um, But you're hearing all these, you're like, okay, everyone's British in this movie. And then you get to Wallace Shawn <laughs> with just the... I mean, what? How else you describe it except a Wallace Shawn voice of just just the most like 
gorgeously nasal, <sighs> unapologetically like himself. I was, uh, I, I have Carrie Elwes's book, which I haven't read in forever, but I was like flipping through the photos, like mm-hmm. in between watching it and this right now. And, and there, uh, one of the captions was that Walshon was so afraid he was going to be replaced that he was giving himself ulcers, like on set. Oh, he was just I mean, so that's afraid. so fitting and so unsurprising. Yes. <laughs> uh, did, did it say in your book of who he thought he was going to be replaced I, by? I did not do any reading. I was skimming and I was like, ooh, don't read anything that might tell me this info. Because right. here's a fun fact for the listeners. I do no research. <laughs> Jeff does a lot. I do all the research. So we keep it um, spontaneous here. And so I've heard two different things. I've heard that this was actually... This person wasn't actually pursued, and I've heard that this person was the original choice. Um, but I'll put it from Walshon's perspective. So before filming, Walshon had come to understand that he was a second choice for the part. Uh, actually, I'll keep it a mystery in it for a second. So a second choice for the part. So he became convinced that he was wrong for the role and danger of being fired at any moment. Carrie Elvis reported that he could see Walshon visibly sweating during the Battle of Wit scene. And while Sean said to Rob Reiner that he didn't feel he'd get the part because he isn't Sicilian, and Rob assured him that his voice was exactly the same as Vizzini's in the book. Um, but the person that he thought that he was second choice to was Danny DeVito. <laughs> of all, well, then if he's worried about sounding Sicilian, why is he worried about losing the part out to DeVito? It might just be that Danny DeVito was a bigger name at the time because ta- he had Taxi. He had, like, I guess, a, also some, DeVito a is like an an Italian name at least. This is true. But, oh man, that is so funny. Which I could see Danny DeVito. I, I, I would love to see that see version, it. but uh, yeah, but it's like I mean, while Sean is yeah. is iconic. Who did what are we I have as like what I have here in my notes is Wallace Sean equals perf. Um, <laughs> but then my more contemporary choice, and this would be, uh, this is a part that I feel like actually you could put a ton of different actors in and get a lot of really great results. Mm-hmm. Like it would feel different than this performance. Sure. But you could, you could have a lot of different people doing very different things. So I was like in a more contemporary one. And this is just because I'm obsessed with this actor, but I was like, Ooh, I'd watch Ben Schwartz do this. <laughs> I don't know what that would look like, but I'd be interested. Oh, man. I mean, there's like so... I mean, Is that like Wheeler Dealer kind of like, hey, I know what I'm talking about, like an idiot who thinks he knows what he... Who who thinks he's smart, you know? I mean, you could could have him either pulling double duty or do a switcheroo and have Billy Crystal as Vizzini. I mean, there's just so many... Billy Crystal would be great as Vizzini. I mean, Martin Short. There's so many of like... Absolutely. Especially because like, I forget exactly the minute count, but I paused it because when Vizzini dies... Poison by. I think it was 34 minutes. It's like 34 minutes. Yeah. Like he's not in the movie long. No. So you can kind of get someone where you kind of need a small dose yes. of them. Uh, or people that are better yes. in smaller doses. Uh, and and pretty much cast whoever you dang want because they're only in for, for sure. X amount of minutes and X amount of lines. But everyone of those lines, I can eat. Make them count. Um, Judy Dench, you know, Judy someone Dench. who Judy can make Dench. a strong impact oh, in a I short amount of time. I love it. I watch um, it. I mean, that same year, instead of potentially being a Princess Bride, Danny DeVito uh, directed and starred in Throw Mama from the Train with Billy Crystal, which is a pretty delightful film. I don't film. know if I've seen it, but like it's... You'd really enjoy it because well, it's literally, well, it's literally just a comedic take on Strangers on a Train. <gasps> it's just Danny DeVito 
with this awful overbearing mother. It's the same woman. She's like the old woman in Goonies. Oh, um, yes. That I think I forget her name, but I think she was nominated for an Oscar for Throw Mama from the Train because well, she's like we gotta a watch nightmare. It. And Billy Crystal is like this awful wife, and it's just that them. Dana DeVito trying, like, as, like, a very simple, sweet guy that's just convinced, like, no, like, I'll, I'll kill your wife and you'll <laughs> kill my mom. And Billy Crystal is getting wrapped up in this ridiculous uh, circumstance. It's so silly. Mm. I mean, the, the title is called Throw Mama from the Train. It's a very, yeah. very silly yeah, film. Yeah. Um, but knowing how much you love Hitchcock and... I love Patricia Highsmith. The mm-hmm. book Strangers mm-hmm. on Train, so good. And if you know the film and then you read the book and you see what they changed, it's shocking. And it'll keep you on your toes either way. <laughs> I recommend. Moving on to Fezzik, the giant from Greenland, played by, of course, by Andre the Giant, who's so delightful in this film. What are your thoughts on Andre the Giant and if you had to cast someone else? I think he's wonderful. I will say, mm-hmm. even now, and having seen this film truly hundreds of times, there are times when I'm like, what is what that he say? said? <laughs> um, most of the time I know at this point because I've, you know, read it or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's so funny. I feel like if they made it today, they would just take a big person and CGI them a little bit bigger. Would yeah. be the easiest fix. I don't know a lot of restless so i've written down the ones i know i'm like oh the rock but he's not i mean maybe he's funny i don't know he's well, not i don't think it's just getting a wrestler it's getting they're getting people that are tall and i don't think the rock is particularly uh, tall you know who i wrote down first was jason momoa who i feel like actually sure. attitudinally i mean i haven't seen anything they've done, but i've seen ads mm. and it feels like he could do it you know um but who this is what i wrote CGI Nick Frost. <laughs> That's oh, what I yeah. read. Because I feel like yeah, he conveys a lot of the kind of like charm of Fezzik. Yeah. Um, and he could, I don't know, I think he'd be very funny. Um, but I also was like, oh, they should just, you know, if we're just looking for a Frenchman, get Gerard Depardieu back in the day. Gerard <laughs> Depardieu. <laughs> he was a big guy. Well, he's not a Frenchman. He's from Greenland. But Andre the Giant. Oh, is that French accent is you you can't miss it. He was doing it. the best. No, he, he was could. doing great. Apparently, they thought they were gonna have to like dub him, but then Rob Reiner, what he did was he just recorded all and his he'd lines walk and he'd walk around on. with the yeah. headphones on. Yeah, and they, I mean, they could have done some ADR, but you know, yeah. I don't know That's if it true. would have been any better than I know. just doing it. I've in also moment. heard that Manny Patinkin was just would slap him in the face to be like to try to like get, like oh, get no. him to, like come on, but like I think in a friendly manner they seemed like you would hope so. Right, Mandy is a tried and true profesh. And it's, that's what you do, apparently, in the biz. You slap your co-star. You slap your co-star when, they, when they're a little too mumble-mouthed. Um, so I have some amazing people that were considered. But first, I I want to first read this uh, the, their, this quote about casting Andre. Uh, so the very first name that came up, according to Jenkins, was Andre the Giant. I asked during a meeting, so this giant guy, what are we talking here? How big, she recalled. And they told me, like, Andre the Giant. Uh, but she didn't know wrestling. Uh, until her partner informed her, no, he's literally the biggest wrestler out there. She says she then called the World Wrestling Federation to explain that they were interested in casting Andre and provided the dates they'd be shooting, but he was supposed to be in a wrestling match in Tokyo at the time for which he would be paid $5 million. So they were like, will you pay him $5 million to do your fantasy movie? And Jenkins like, ah, that's like half the budget of our film. So no. And so since he was not available then, because he was first choice, then they went through like a whole slew of people who could fit the bill as long as they were tall enough because if it's like if you quote if you didn't have to duck in the doorway of my office there was no need for you to be there jenkins (laughs) joked 
Uh, but then as luck would have it, Andre the Giant's wrestling match was canceled. And upon hearing the news, Reiner dropped what he was doing, met him, met Andre in Paris for a meeting. And that's how we wound up with Andre at the 11th hour, Jenkins said. Oh. And he was absolutely perfect. Well, he's iconic. He know. sure is. Now, people that were considered. Now, this was keeping, keeping in mind that they were trying to make a movie of The Princess Bride for about a decade before they did. So who not only was considered, but was campaigning, that wanted to be a part of it, was an early in his career... Arnold? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oy, oy, oy. Well, you know what? Honestly, we would have understood him less at that point. <laughs> this is true. At that, in the 80s? Well, maybe by Hercules, the 80s. Hercules in New York in New was York. like, what, like 68? Hercules, yeah, it was like 68. So maybe by the late 80s, he would have gotten a real grip on it. I mean, Arnold... Oh, well, Arnold by late 80s, been... of course. Yeah. By late 70s is like when he was trying to go. By late yeah. 80s, this this same year, uh, he was... he starred in Predator and The Running oh, Man. Oh, so he was like, I'm not about to be your third or fourth bill. Well, they couldn't, I don't think, I think they couldn't, they couldn't afford, afford you couldn't even afford him. Interesting. But yeah, it was like, that's, this is too far. I mean, Terminator was, I believe, 84. It's like, once oh. once that hit, oh, you're like, it. oh, we're not forget getting it. Arnold You're not going to be saying anybody want a peanut. Anybody want a peanut? Um, I mean, I could see it, but I mean, yeah. Andre is just such a sweet, gentle giant. Yeah. And Arnold is just someone that's just like... Got a lot of muscles. He does have a lot of muscles, but he's so like he's, he's just like no. But I didn't mean that in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> just meant that's the fact. It's a fact, not a positive, not a negative, not a negative, just a fact. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <gasps> was interested in taking the he's role. Very tall. He, he, you know what he is, very tall, uh, and probably would have, but the shooting conflicted with his NBA schedule. And that's real. Uh... It is. It is. Lou Ferrigno considered uh mainly being known at that time for playing the hulk version oh, of the hulk see, when they would have fact, like i didn't know well they would have i forget the actor's name but they'd have a guy as bruce banner who's just you know a normal looking skinny dude and then he who's like oh i'm getting angry and then they would just cut to like a close-up of his eyes like now ah! they're green and then they just cut back and now it's lou ferrigno painted green going rah and smashing things around uh which is clearly why he was considered sure. like lou Fer- I it's fine. The thing, Andre is just so sweet. And there was a story that apparently the filming conditions would get chilly because it was like raining all the time. Mm-hmm. And Robin Wright, like with what her costume, she would be so cold. And Andre the Giant, because his hands were so big, he would just put a hand on her head to like keep her hat? warm. Like a big, like a big hat, like a big, a big hand hat, um, which is like, I don't see Lou Frigno or Arnold no, doing that. No, I, I could see Arnold being like, I would put it. Yeah, I'll, I'll put, on your head. I will put my hands all over your body to keep and you, you warm. And you will love it. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently Andre the Giant would drink a case of wine at dinner. Oh, he could pack. He could put it away. Well, it's a mountain. He was, it was just barely. He wouldn't even get tipsy. It's a small mountain. Uh, Richard Keel was considered who... I know best. He's in Happy Gilmore, but I know best as uh, he plays Jaws in some oh, of the. Oh, I know James that. Bond. Yes, you yes. Yes. yes, absolutely. And I have uh, seen in... Happy Gilmore. Oh, I know okay. exactly who you're talking about. Uh, but he played Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me in Moonraker. Yes, uh, yes, yes. But in, in, which I found was fun, in this year of 87, instead of Princess Bride, he was his main, the only thing he was really in was a, a commercial. <laughs> As Jaws, that he was just like, really? They were leaning in, leaning in and getting as much mileage out of that character as they could. Um, I'm going to butcher the name, but Carol Streakin, uh, who you know best as Lurch from the Adams <gasps> Family and Adams Family Values. He's marvelous. He sure is. He's great. Uh, I, I don't him. know how he sounds when he talks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much what that's he says. That's what I know. Yeah. Adams Family. He is a small role in um, the. 
the film, I don't maybe it's a Netflix original film adaptation of the Stephen King book Gerald's Game, where he plays the Moonlight Man, where he's just like a creepy figure. Where the whole movie you're like, is this person, is this real or a figment of this woman's imagination? And then at the end, you're like, oh no, he's real, and he's like. Terrifying. I have another Adams Family actor as one of my other uh, listings oh, later. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, now, he was considered, but he'd already committed to The Witches of Eastwick mm-hmm. with uh, Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer and um, Cher, and I forget who the other woman in that is. Uh, so the Jenkins tried contacting that movie's casting director to propose sharing the actor, but was rejected. And last but not least, for Fezzik, uh Liam Neeson revealed... <laughs> On the Graham Norton show that he auditioned for Fezzik and director Rob Ryder scoffed when he heard that Neeson's height was only six foot four. Well, that's like you're early in his career in 87. This is the same year. Also, I didn't know Liam Neeson was six foot four. Because that is quite tall. My brother's six foot four. So that's why Liam Neeson hunches a lot. I look, I hunch. I'm <laughs> I'm tall. Um six foot four is how tall my brother is, so that's how I mark like, is someone really tall or are they just like tallish. Six foot four? Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's really tall. That is very So that's how tall. I can tell if someone's six foot four or above because I'm like, is this the angle I'm used to looking up at my brother? <laughs> yes? No? You're so tall. I do often mistake your brother, comedian Aaron Jackson, for Liam Neeson. Academy Award nominee Liam Neeson. It happens all the time. <laughs> all the time. My brother looks like a cross between a young Mick Jagger and Hillary Swank. And if you were to Google a picture of Aaron Jackson comedian right now, you would be like, <gasps> I can't believe how accurate that is. How is he is. not cast as Fezzik the Giant? <laughs> <laughs> He's very skinny. Uh, <laughs> um, now you had someone else. Con- oh, I did not. For not Fezzik for or? one of those. Just for I have. I have for people that you had said mm-hmm. there were there was no one else considered, or you couldn't find anyone else considered. I still had some like dreaming up some possibilities for hit me, other hit me with actors. It. Well, like. I think Mary Patinkin is wonderful, but Mary Patinkin is not actually uh, from Spain. From Spain she or Latino not. in any way. No. So, like, I was like, well, obviously, like, if we're doing this in the '90s, like, Banderas is the obvious of choice, course. and he'd be wonderful. And I don't know. I mean, he was, you know, he was Desperado a, is the first thing I know him in, which is like '94, but he's still like a man. So he'd be. A, I don't know how old he was exactly in '97, yeah. but he's probably you slap him once you put a mustache on someone, you automatically yeah, age bang. them up. Yeah. Oh, again, I think Mandy Patinkin is. Magnificent. He's iconic. Um, but I'm like, Antonio Banderas would have been great. Um, but great. then because I thought of Antonio Banderas, mm-hmm. someone I thought of who was like an entity at this time who would have been delightful is Raul Julia. Oh, He is one of yeah. my favorite actors. He, uh, This is my Adams Family connection, obviously. Yes, Gomez but like, he's family. so good. And uh, was very much, you know, like making movies in the 80s. Yeah, this you know? was around the time of The Kiss of the Spider This was woman, after, for Kiss sure. The Spider Woman. After he uh, did not get an Oscar nomination. I know. But William Hurt did. William Hurt did. Ooh! Um, uh, but he would... He would have been so fun. Because Raul Julia is someone who... And this is the thing I think Patinkin does really well. Is take the, like... The reality of that character's storyline and just really... Like invest in those stakes, like and Absolutely. in the relationship with the father, like it is beautiful. Oh, he... But then also embrace the largesse of like now I'm in a deep lunge, and being very silly. It was mainly from seeing that deep lunge that I was like, if being from Spain wasn't such a part of this character, mm-hmm. if he was not from Spain, and then if I had to cast someone else of like a Kevin Klein, oh, hundred uh, percent was just like such absolutely. Uh, but like Kevin Klein similarly has uh, to Raul Julia as well a very similar 
more like embrace of the size of whatever part yeah. that they're doing. So I mean, really, I most of the male roles in Princess Bride, I could see <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Klein. Klein. I could see <laughs> Kevin Klein as a young Kevin Klein as Wesley. Yes. Kevin Klein as Humperdinck. Yes. Kevin Klein, so many roles. I would um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, what can I say? Oh, that just talking about. Uh, Patinkin. Patinkin and uh, with uh, with the father is that his own father had passed away from cancer. So he was saying that like the sword fight between him and Count Rugen that he said like it literally felt like I was killing the cancer that killed oh. my father. Which you could feel yes, that in the film. because it's, it's so like, dark. Such, and also just so powerful. Yes. Like it really is. It almost not upends the film, but you really like you could have a whole film that was just this, just a revenge tale, or this fantasy revenge tale. Well, any of the moments where they have him really like talking about or to his father and they put the music underneath it, which then they'll undercut with something silly afterwards, but like they really invest in the reality of that moment in a beautiful way. Totally. Uh, and yeah, while, while we're, this is the part now that we've talked about all the actors that were almost cast. So some of these characters, the remaining characters that there was no one else that was up for them. We can kind of briefly yeah. touch on them so we've talked about mandy patinkin as inigo montoya uh we've started talking a little bit about uh chris saran as prince humperdinck who is fine i think he's great that there's not i don't know if it's just that there's so many amazing iconic larger than life characters in the film mm-hmm. and it feels like he doesn't quite have oh i think he's as wonderful. much to do i was hearing him do kind of like i wrote down tim curry because something about mm. the tapped R's that he's doing and some of the vocal choices sounded Tim Curry adjacent. Um, but I think he plays this prig really well. You oh, know? I, I don't disagree. I just think that there's like, he doesn't, he kind of fades compared to some of the other people. Sure, sure. Um, although mentioning Tim Curry, like I could also see Tim Curry as Count Rugen. Yes. Would be a, would also would be a delicious choice. And so such, I mean, Christopher Guest, of course, was already friends with Rob Reiner, had yeah. already done this as Spinal Tap. Um, but it's like, I never in a million years would have, knowing everything else Christopher Guest has done. That like how wacky he is. I will say watching this again now with the distance of many years and having seen Christopher Guest's work in a lot of other ways, I was really like, taken with all of the choices he was making that were not small but were not as big as what i've known him to do you know just like a lot of the like watching like what's like not to 50 and then you know they they like and then like they they cut to humperdinck they're like "Mm, yes and then they cut to uh rugen and i think before i'd seen like oh goodness in his eyes but this time i saw oh goodness but also this like flair of the scientist being like interesting like that yeah, just like you great. see just like echoes of that and it's like there's a lot of really subtle work. he's he's imbued a lot into really not that much that he has to do he really could have had a career playing some villains oh, like it's kind 100%. of sad that he didn't although you know if you had to cast someone else this was 87 this is the year before his feature film debut i know what you're gonna say alan rickman, rickman. Oh. i knew it I, it did cross my mind <laughs> i mean he does play a similar ish character as sheriff of nottingham in robin hood prince of thieves but his in 82. he, he you're, uh, you're right when like i can think of him doing humper and the disdain that Rickman brings to every syllable of anything that That's he chooses. That's why his voice was reminding me of this this watch. Yeah, yeah. That would be <laughs> it'd be a special. No. Um, and of other characters, you've got of course Billy Crystal as Miracle Max and Carol Kane as Valerie. Iconic, so Jake funny. Uh, Manny Patinkin said the only time he was injured in the film was when he bruised his ribs from ha- no. having to hold his <laughs> laughter to not laugh and break the takes and not. Uh, uh, 
break when yeah Billy Crystal was ad libbing. Yeah. The the only I'll tell you the only other character I have anything for, and yeah. this is not even really what we're talking about. I have Hag. Perfect. <laughs> That's all I have. Well, like, cause she's like the, that. The hag, not the Carol Kane. The hag that goes no, the boo. Rubbish, filth, slime, muck, boo, boo, boo. Like it's so good. Who is this person? Yeah. Like you're. It's rare, I think, nowadays to see a film where there's a part like that which is like so weird and is only one little bit that is not someone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. But she's so good. She's so good. I was like, this actor is of the theater, is what I thought. <laughs> anyway, that's all I have for my alternates in that yeah. section. And then then the last one's Peter Falk's grandfather and Fred Savage's grandson. It's perfect. Cut. Print. Incredible. Peter Keep Falk's it. just so good. And it's so funny because that having your narrator be Peter Falk. Because just thinking of, like, who are other voices? And what came to mind originally was, like, well, you could either go the opposite end of the spectrum and you've got, like, like a James Earl Jones yes. or Morgan Freeman. You like the, yes. the, the, the this calming, soothing, voice, narrating yeah. voice opposed to like the randomness of having Peter Falk as like, and now here is this beautiful princess. But that's, that's part of what sets up the tone of the original book, you know, totally. is like, we're going to undercut this beautiful story with Columbo, <laughs> you know, but with a voice that has been in a million Americans homes, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like, and in that end, and so if you're going to do closer to that, like, uh, the only other person that I <laughs> would be interested in seeing would be Harvey Firestein. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Harv. <laughs> Gotta love that Harv. Um, and now, a quick bonus for The Princess Bride for our very first episode, uh, who almost directed, because they were trying to make this movie for so dang long, a lot of people attempted and failed to direct adaptation. So real quick going through, uh, Robert Redford wanted to mm. direct a film. This is, of course, after he'd already done Ordinary People. So he was an established uh, director along with being an accomplished actor. Uh, John Borman, who you know best, Amy, from directing Excalibur, <gasps> which makes sense for why they'd be like, oh, you've done a fantasy movie. That's how Liam Neeson got the audition in the first place. There you place. go. And you did a fa- uh, and I, is Peter Cook in that? film as I don't, well as Peter Cook the guy it's that's like possible Mowage, Mowage. everyone mm. is in that movie everyone is if you've not seen Excalibur uh, A it is bananas it's so stupid it is so stupid but like I don't it's a wild time who plays Arthur but you've got oh, in all Nigel these, Terry oh of course Nigel Terry how could I forget but Honestly, you got supporting if roles if you cared about films made before you were born you would know <laughs> Or if you're a hundred years old, so you can, you know, you care about films made in your lifetime of being a hundred. Um, but that movie has Liam Neeson, Gabriel Byrne, Patrick Hel- Stewart, Helen Mirren, like all of these actors in supporting roles. Uh, and it's pretty on it. Is, it's really good in some parts and unintentionally hilarious in others. Uh, but yes, John Borman was considered. Uh, Francois Truffaut. Fascinating. I know of 400 Blows, Jules and Jim, and The Princess Bride. Uh, but he passed away in 1984. Uh, but that's a real, you know. Wow. Jules et Jim. Jules et Jim. I'm sorry, Jules et Jim, not Jules. No, not Jules et Jim. Jules, Jules et Jim. Jim. You want to go see Jules and Jim? I want to see Joe? that Jules and Jim. I want to see that Jules I want to see them Frenchies on bicycles. You want to go see Julie and Jim riding them bikes? They gonna <laughs> Julie go win? and Jimmy. Who's going to win the bike race? <laughs> what's it's gonna be what's a menage a trois, I mean? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a menage a trois. They should call this Jules and Jim and the other guy. <laughs> Girl, I've not seen Julie and Jim. 
It's a guy. If you can't tell, it's a guy. We're French. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard Lester, uh, who directed A Hard Day's Night and Superman 2 and 3. And Norman Jewison, uh, who directed In the Heat of the Night, Fiddler on the Roof, and Instead of doing Princess Bride in 1987, he directed Moonstruck, ah, which got him an Oscar for Best Director and Best just Picture. Fine. So that was kind of the I think a I think good best case scenario. Choice. Best case scenario. I mean, you know, Princess Bride is a classic, but you got your Oscar for Moonstruck. Yeah. So this is also fun. Uh, Jason Reitman, the director and son of Ivan Reitman, um, did a live read of Princess Bride. You're shaking your head. Ivan Reitman is the director of the original Ghostbusters. Of uh, your favorite film, Junior, with speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny. Oh, if you had Arnold Schwarzenegger as Fezzik and Danny DeVito as Vizzini, then it would have been a trilogy of films because they would have been together in Princess Bride, they would have been in Twins, they would have been in Junior. And Amy Jo looks like she's <laughs> dying I, I, as I speak. Like my face is melting. Um, into Junior itself. is a nightmare of a film if you've not seen it. It's the movie uh. where Arnold gets pregnant. Uh, but anyway, Jason Reitman is also a director. He's done Thank You for Smoking. Juno, he directed Juno. Oh, yeah. Up in the air and things. Anyway, he did a live read of Princess Bride a few years ago, with uh, which I just thought was fun to show this cast, which mm. was Paul Rudd as Wesley. <gasps> How charming! Mindy Kaling as Buttercup. Uh-huh. Love it. Nick Kroll as Count Rugen. <laughs> Patton Oswalt as Vizzini. Yes. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Bill Fagerbake uh, as... Fezzik, who is the voice of Patrick in SpongeBob, is probably oh. what he's best known for, and he does pop up in some li- in live action things as well. But he's also six six. How tall is Patrick Warburton? <laughs> I I don't I don't think his voice tall. plays tall. His voice does play tall. I think he's probably like I, I don't. What I don't about know, oh six Peter two, six one? Serafanowitz. Peter Serafanowitz. Yeah. Um, he yeah. seems tall. He does seem tall. He does seem tall, but he's he doesn't seem particularly Mountainous? strong. Oh, details. <laughs> details. Details. Just <laughs> put him in a big old magic. muscle suit. Move him magic. <laughs> uh, uh, Goran Visnik, I'm going to pronounce his name, as Inigo Montoya. Uh-huh. Uh, I, st- I only know him mainly from being in ER. Uh, That's why I've heard that name. Isn't it some other I thing, saw but... an episode of it once. Oh. Brag. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Kevin Pollack as Miracle Max. Which, Great. Totally. Sure. Uh, Colette Wolf as Valerie, his wife, I'm not familiar with. Uh, Carrie Elwes as Prince Humperdinck. That's charming. Uh, Rob Reiner as the grandfather. And reprising his role, Fred Savage as the grandson. That's hilarious. Which is so funny to me. That is so Um, funny. And I don't think that's online, but uh, I wish it was because I would love to listen slash watch that read because that sounds like a really fun delightful cast um and so we're at the end of our episode are there any last thoughts on casting or if you would like and if it behooves you if you had an overall dream cast or nightmare cast based on the people that were considered or on any actor you can think of and if not that's also okay no this is wonderful i really do like wish I could see Raul Julia in more movies is my own like the only thing like thinking about this is like oh I wish he had had made as many movies as humanly possible before he passed away I wish or just he, yeah didn't I wish he hadn't away. gotten ill you know yeah. um I feel like what a loss to the world um was in trying to come up with like who else would I see in this was was my main takeaway I'm like oh we were really robbed of a lot of beautiful art um but um I think it's it's pretty great. I mean, it's very white. There's not a single person of color to be found anywhere. That's very true. Um, 
which, you know, for 1987 is, is still pushing it, you know. Um, but uh, that major thing aside, like, I think it's pretty delightful. And I would watch it every day uh, going forward. You know what? If you asked to watch it again right now. You'd do it. Well, you know what I'd say, Amy Jo? As I wish. As you wish. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Until next time.